Um, my name's Beryl, as I was introduced there. Um, I'm going to be reading from Exodus 3, verses 1 to 20. And I'm reading out of the New, I, uh, New International Version, but you've perhaps got something different, and you've got your phones, whatever. It's good to read along. So, Exodus 3, verses 1 to 20. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So go now. I am... Go and... Go now. So, no, so... Go now. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so now, go. <laughs> I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, 
perizzites, hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and to say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Praise be to God. Amen. Thank you, Beryl. <laughs> Thank you. Super. So I'm going to have my. All right. And God said. Um... Super. Uh, so, uh, good morning to you all. Uh, my name is Johnny. I lead the team here in, uh, in Bognor. It's so good to have you with us. If you are new to Grace Church, you are ever so welcome. If it's your second time, third time, fourth time, you are so, so, so welcome. It is great to have you with us. Um, uh, we are in a series at the moment on Exodus. We're going through Exodus um, and our tagline for it is out of and into, uh, because the whole story, the whole narrative of Exodus is about God taking us out of something and into, uh, into worship uh, of, of him. And so uh, what we've done to help, I'm going to move this out of the way, because I like to move a lot. So let's move that out of the way, and I can put it back and I'll get told off, but that's fine. Um, so, uh, just to help you, what we've got is these little, uh, these little slips here. These are a reading plan to help you uh, read along with what we're, what we're doing. So, like today, big passage that we read, and, and that was only a bit of what we were, were reading. Um, so, you can read along, you can see what the next, um, the next passage that we're going to be looking at is uh, and, and you can read the whole context. So you can see that actually what we're saying is, is truth. We're not making this up uh, and all of that. Um, but am I, am I right? Is that mic? Is that right? Um, and uh, if you look, you'll notice that there's a little bit of a gap between November and January. Yeah, December does exist, but, uh, but obviously it's a Christmas thing. So we're going to be doing Christmas stuff during that time, so there's a pause in the series. But you can read along with what we're doing over, over that um, I've got a question for you to start with. Who is God? Who, who is God? And if we think about our culture, our culture will tell us very different things. So it might be that some would say Allah is God. Um, so that would be the, the, the um, Islam perspective. The, the Hindu perspective would be that of there are different manifestations of God. There's loads of gods. Um, a new age movement would, would say that, that it's, it's inside you. You, you are God. You, the God is, you, you decide who, who the God is. And, and atheists would say, oh, well, there isn't one. You know, uh, who is God? Well, he doesn't exist. Um, you get agnostic, um, uh, agnostic atheists who would say, well, there, there might be a creator, but oh, he's a bit irrelevant. He doesn't, we don't need him now. 
But I want to tell you this morning that the Bible says who God is. And not only does it say who God is, it also, he has a name. That God has a name. And this moment that we've just read in Exodus 3 is God telling Moses um, who he is by telling him his name. He gives different names through this passage. And we're not going to touch on all the names that he gives himself and tells Moses, but we'll, we'll touch on a few. But you might be thinking, oh, what, what, what's in a name? What does a name matter? Well, names have meanings. And uh, I, I, I spent hours on this. Um, I just went through Church Week and were picking people's names out. And, uh, and I just Googled them. Like, what does so-and-so mean? And so here are some enjoyable ones for you of, of people, some in the room, some not in the room. Uh, so just for you to enjoy. Um, I'll start with myself. I've got a pretty good name, actually. Jonathan is God has given. Uh, and uh, holder means to hold something. So God has given a thing to hold something in, is what my name means. So there you go. Um, but these are some of my faves, though. Linda Lott. I don't know if you know Linda Lott. She's often on our, on our AVs. Um, Linda means pretty. It's nice, isn't it? And Lot is a portion. So Linda Lot is a pretty portion. <laughs> uh, and then you've got the wonderful Paolo Gomez here. Um, Gomez means man. Uh, in um, uh, I can't remember what language it was. Um, so Paolo means humble. It comes from Paul, humble, small. So Paolo is a small, humble man. <laughs> um, his wife, however, doesn't have such a, a lovely-sounding name. So, obviously, man is, is Gomez, so Sylvia Gomez. Sylvia means forest. So, she's a forest man. Um, not, yeah. Uh, Melissa, <laughs> we'll move on from that one. Um, uh, Melissa Charlton. Melissa means honeybee. It's very nice, isn't it? Do you know what a Charlton is? Anyone know what a Charlton is? I'll be very impressed. Well, a Charlton, a Charlton is a settlement of a free man. So she's a honeybee in the settlement of a free man. Um, but this one, this one is my personal favourite um, of all my Googling of hours on end. Um, we've got Stefan Lunn. So Stefan, uh, uh, a change on Stephen, uh, means crown. So Stephen means Stefan and Stephen means crown. But anyone know what a Lunn is? I had to look this up. Do you know what a Lunn is? Okay, when I, I, didn't get, I didn't find that when I Googled it. You're, so you're a crowned warrior, which is, I would, I would hold on to that one because this one isn't so nice. Hold on to that one. Um, uh, when I looked, a lun was a, a flat, round, slightly sweet tea cake. It's usually served hot. So, uh, uh, yes, so it's a crown, a Sally Lun. Uh, okay, so my, Google, there you go, Google isn't always right. Uh, let's go with a crowned warrior. That's what he is, for sure. As you can see, from these names, we don't, we don't think through the names in our culture. Yeah? In, in, in modern British culture, names aren't a big deal. They, we, go, we go with, oh, they sound nice. That's often where we go with. But in the culture of ancient Middle East that you've got in Exodus, and even now in, in non-Western countries, names are very important. Names, the meaning of names is, is really important. And we see it throughout the Bible. You, you see it with Abraham. So Abraham 
who used to be called Abram, God changes his name, and, uh, and it's because the call on Abraham has changed. He's called the father of many nations. Abraham is the father of many nations. And you've got Moses himself as well. Moses means to be drawn out. It's a prophetic image of what God's going to do and use him for. And then you've got Samuel. Samuel means God heard me. God's heard my cry. God hears. And uh, it's a response that one is a response to Hannah, his mum's call for a child. Moses' encounter with God reveals God's name. That's what happens here, is it reveals God's name. Knowing the meaning of a name, well, knowing my name meaning, doesn't really change anything. It doesn't mean much to me. Just knowing that I, my name is gift from God, like that, that, that means nothing really to me. It doesn't change me at all. But knowing God's name, knowing what he is like, who he is, well, that changes everything. So for the rest of the morning, we're going to go through this encounter that Moses has with, with God in, in Exodus 3. And we're going to see that how encountering God's name, God's name changes everything. It changes Moses and it changes us when we encounter. Because God's name, it leads to reverence, it leads to realization, it leads to reassurance and ultimately, it leads to rescue. So we're going to get, that's where we're going to be going this morning. So I hope you can follow along. So firstly, God's name leads to a reverent response. Look at, look at verse 1 to, 1 to 5. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. So Moses thought, I'll go over. Not what I would do. God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then later on it goes, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. If that was me, just, just saying, if that was me, I would have freaked out. Like there's this bush talking to me. Right? Let's go with that. Secondly, it's a bush that's burning, but it's not burning. Doesn't make sense to me. Thirdly, it's talking to me and saying, take your shoes off. Take, take, take your shoes off. And, uh, and also it knows his name. So not only is this a talking bush, it's a bush that talks to you and says, oh, hi, Johnny, how are you? Like, that would freak me out. But Moses is like, yeah, fine, yeah, I'll take my shoes off, yeah, yeah, here I am, yeah, it's nice to meet you. But what does freak him out? All right, let's look at the next verse. What does freak him out? Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, at this, Moses hides his face. Can you see that the hiding of the face, first of all, it's a foretaste of what's to happen where God's going to hide his face from Moses and there's going to be a different moment there later on. But here, the emphasis here is of reverence. It's one of reverence. Encountering the name of God, it brings us to a place of reverence and awe and wonder. Whoa, this is who he, this is, who he is. Yeah, the first name that Moses is given in this passages, the Lord, the, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this moment, he realized, oh, I'm talking to the same God. I'm talking to the same God who everyone was talking about back in Egypt, who all these stories from long ago that was in Israelite folklore, yeah, all of that, this, that's him. This is the God who who Abraham gave a child to at the age of 100. This is the God who wrestled with Jacob. He is be, he's being given a crash course in holy etiquette, if you will. Yeah, he's, he's by being given a reminder, oh, 
you're to be in awe of this God. This is who he is. Yeah, a crash course in holy etiquette, it, it remembers who we are singing to on a Sunday morning. It, it, it remembers who we are praising, who we're living for, who we're worshipping, who we're enjoying, who we're praying to each and every day, um, and who you're reading about in the Word of God as you read the Bible. Moses comes to a state of complete and utter reverence and awe because he realizes that the God that's in Israelite folklore, he hasn't changed. He's still the same God who he was then. And for us today, it might be that you think, oh, I like the God of the New Testament, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. They're the same God. That's who he is. He's not changed. The God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament, the God of today is the same God at work. He is the same God. And here, God is informing Moses of what he has forgotten during a long exile. So Moses has gone from Egypt. He's, he's left Egypt uh, because he's killed somebody. He's run off. He's run from God, as we heard last week. And, and for some this morning, you maybe have forgotten who God is. You may have forgotten what he is like. You may feel distant and you've just legged it because, man, I just, I just don't know what to do with this or, or that. You might be just in a place where you're just struggling to pray this morning. But it's when we get that reverence, when we get that understanding, oh, that's it's the same God. It's the same God here. Yeah, the realization for Moses is the same for us. We forget who God is. We, for, we forget who we're praying to so often. We forget who we're coming to church for on a Sunday morning. We're not, we're not coming for the kids that we're serving. We're not coming for the tea and coffee. We're, we're coming to become into the presence of the same God, the God of our father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses let God remind him who he was. I think some of us this morning need reminding who he is. Yeah, reminder one, God has not changed from what he has been to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not changed. He was still the same God. He still calls us today into the unknown. He still calls us. Uh, he's still the God who overcomes the impossible odds and keeps his promises. He's still the same God who bothers with us when we've tried and we've failed and we try and we fail again and again and again. He is still the same God who takes the unpromising material of our lives and he, he transforms it and shapes it into something for his glory and glorious and beautiful. When you pray, when you go to church, you have a reminder too that when we go to church, when we're reading, when we're praying about him, he is the same God that Moses later in, in, in Exodus prays to and the seas depart. He's the, still the same God that Abraham called to for a child at 100. He's today... Yeah, today is what I'm talking about. Today, he is still the same God that Joseph prayed and gets interpretations for the, for the leader of Egypt at the time. He's, he's still the same God that David wrote psalms about. He's still the same God who, who came to earth in the form of Christ. He is still the same God that died and rose again. He's still the same God that turned Paul blind in Acts. He's still the same God who, who's going to be worshipped in Revelation. Yeah, he's still the same God. That is the God Moses meets, the God of the Old Testament, the God we get to enjoy every single day. And that is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's our God. 
If you're a Christian, you need to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of the present, the past, and the future. He's still the same God. He does not change. Moses' encounter with God brings reverence because he remembers who God is. But when we encounter God's name, we're also reminded he is limitless. He is utterly limitless. Yeah? God's name leads me to realizing, oh, he needs nothing. He doesn't, including me, he doesn't need us. Yeah? God's name leads to me realizing that he needs nothing. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me, and they ask me, oh, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. Think back to all those names we mentioned at the start. All of the names. Jonathan. God has given. There is Every name that we can think of takes its meaning or its reference from something else or someone else or another object. Yeah, so Jonathan, God has given. There's got to be a God before there's a Jonathan. Yeah, you've got, you got Simpson Charlton. Simpson means son of Simon. There's got to be a Simon before you get a Simpson. Yeah, you've got my dad's name, great name, Keith, baby Keith. Um, just imagine a baby Keith. Uh, sorry if there's any baby Keiths. Um, it means woodland, great name. Yeah, there's got to be a wood before you get a Keith. Yeah, everything, it derives its meaning from another object in existence. None of us get the meaning from our names, from ourselves. No one does. We get it from another kind of concept or another, another being, except in this case. This is where the case is completely different. This is the only name in history that gets its t- entire meaning from the being or the person who was speaking. Every other name, all the names in this room, are second-hand. This is a first-hand name. Yeah? In this passage, God is saying, my name is entirely bound up in my being. I am who I am. I don't, I don't draw my meaning or my identity from you or anyone else. Yeah? My, I, I'm beyond myself. Yeah? From entirely, I don't get it from anything other than who I am. I don't have to define myself relative to you, relative to an object. I am who I am. Yeah, I don't have to define myself by what I do, creator, kindness, love. Yes, I'm all those things, but I am who I am. That's who he is. And we fall so often into the same response as Moses. Like Moses in verse 13, we ask God, how can I fit you? How, how can I fit you into my world, into my concept, into um, my box so that I can understand you and I can define you against something else? And God says, you don't. I am. That's my name. Yeah, your little categories, Moses, they, they don't apply to me. Yeah, you are dependent. I am completely self-existent. You have boundaries in time and space. I don't. You draw your meaning from outside yourself. I don't. I am. God makes the understanding visible through what he does with the burning bush. He doesn't need anything to sustain the bush burning. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need any of us to sustain himself or to find meaning. But he lets us join the party nonetheless. It's the type of God he is. Encountering God's name 
reminds us he is unlimited, and I am extremely limited. But, but the joy of that is that his name also brings us reassurance. His, that brings us reassurance. God names, God's name brings reassurance to my limitations. Moses, in verse 11, a bit before that, said, But Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go and to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. We so often ask the question, who am I? Who am I that, that I should go? We were reminded of our limited nature against God, and we instantly think, oh, well, I'm hopeless. I, I, I could never live up to that standard or anything like that. But the reason God reveals these names to Moses is because he knows Moses, and he knows us, and he knows that we can feel really insufficient for the things that he has called us to do. Just, just even, it doesn't have to be big things. Just being a Christian in this world is a big call on us that he puts on Christians. And he knows that we are just feeling insufficient to do that. And, and, and all Moses wants to do is the same response to, that we would give. Who am I? Who am I that I should go and be a Christian out in the world? And, and, and all of those things. And what's God's response? God's response is so beautiful, and it is so kind, and he completely ignores him. I will be with you. That your, your question is kind of irrelevant, because I will be with you. Yeah, you. God completely ignores it, but it's so kind and gracious and beautiful. And many people in our culture, the question in our culture so often is, who am I? Oh, if I just knew who I was, if I knew what I was meant to be, who am I? And God's reply to us is, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that thing. You need to see who I am. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am who I am. I am the Lord. Come to me. I've got you and I've got this. And it's us going, but, but who am I? And God's like, no, 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 no. I got you. I'm with you. That's his response to you. I'm, I just think... I'm going to let Julia Donaldson do a bit of work here. Um, you, you may recognize this from West Point. I just think it's such a helpful example that hammers home this, this point. Um, the Gruffalo, the wonderful novel, The Gruffalo. If you're a parent, you probably have read this book thousands and thousands of times. If you haven't, I'm going to tell it to you. A mouse took a stroll through the deep, dark wood. A fox saw the mouse, and the mouse looked good. Where are you going to, little brown mouse? Come and have lunch in my underground house. Oh, it's awfully kind of you, fox, but no, I'm going to have lunch with a gruffalo. A gruffalo? What's a gruffalo? And so then the, the mouse goes on to tell this fox about this creature he's presumably making up called the gruffalo, and he, he describes it, and it oh, scares off the fox so Fox goes, oh, goodbye, little mouse, and off he sped to his underground house. And then you read on, and he meets um, Owl, and then he does the same, and he meets Snake, and he does the same, and then well, you read, that, uh, you, you read and, and you think, oh, the Gruffalo's not real. He's made this creature up, and then the mouse stumbles upon someone else who is this creature with terrible tusks and terrible claws, and terrible teeth, and his terrible jaws. It's 
got knobbly knees and turned out toes and a poisonous wart on the end of his nose. Uh, his eyes are orange, his tongue is back, he has purple prickles all over his back. Oh, help, oh no, it's the Gruffalo! The Gruffalo replies, my favourite food, the Gruffalo says. You'll taste good on a slice of bread. Good? Don't call me good. I'm the scariest creature in this wood. Walk behind me and soon you'll see everyone is afraid of me. And so they journey back through and they meet different creatures and they first stumble upon Snake. And, and he says, oh, it's Snake. Why, Snake, hello. Snake took one look at the Gruffalo. Oh, crumbs, said Snake. And off he slid to his log pile house. You see, said the mouse, I told you so. Astounding, said the Gruffalo. And so they again go on, and, and then they meet Owl, and then they meet Fox, and they're all afraid, and they've all run away. And then the mouse, uh, the mouse turns to the Gruffalo, and he said, And now my tummy's beginning to rumble. My favorite food is Gruffalo Crumble. Gruffalo Crumble, the Gruffalo said, and quick as the wind, he turned and fled. And the point of this, of telling you a four-year-old story, is because... Thank you very much. Uh, the, the animals are not afraid of the mouse. The animals are not afraid of the mouse. They're afraid of what's behind the mouse. They're not looking at the mouse going, oh, he's big and scary. They're going, wow, look at him. They're looking at the Gruffalo. And you and I, we can be like the mouse and we can say, but what about me? Who am I? Who am I that I should go? But it's not about the mouse. It's not about us. It's about the I am. It's about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is behind us, in front of us, beside us, walking with us through life. Moses and you and I, it's, it's not about the mouse. Don't worry about who you are. Worry about who I am is. Yeah, worry about the great I am. But you'll notice in the Gruffalo, there is a flaw. There is a flaw in the analogy. What does the Gruffalo do at the end? The Gruffalo turns and runs. And often we can think, oh, that's what God will do. God will turn and run. But also, God's name is rescue. Yeah, so there is reassurance that he is behind us and for us. But there's also reassurance because he is our rescue. Yeah? How can I be reassured that God won't do a gruffalo and run away? And if we read chapter 4, if we went into chapter 4, there's a verse in chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 13, where Moses, he's pleading with God, oh, please, God, send someone else. Do I have to? Please send, send somebody else. And then later his obedience comes through. And in verse 18, he goes and he heads back to Egypt. Yeah, I know that the great I am will not leave me because actually thousands of years later, when God uses his, another name, Emmanuel, God with us, he would, he would say something similar to Moses. And he's not, he's not in a desert this time. He's not talking to a bush, but he's in a garden. God himself is in a garden and he is, he's just pleading with God, oh, please take this cup from me. Just please send someone else. And just like Moses, just like Moses, He's obedient. And this time, he's, he's not obedient to going back to the Israelites and to Egypt. No, this, this time, 
he's obedient to the cross. He comes from heaven to earth as God himself goes to the cross in the likeness of man, not to save us from Egyptians, not to save us from the rule of anything, but our real oppressive slave master, which is sin and death. Jesus Christ was obedient so that we can know, oh no, he's not the gruffalo, he's not going to run. Yeah, it's through our rescuer Jesus that we know that God won't run like the gruffalo because I know he won't leave me in my darkest day because he didn't leave me in his darkest day. That's what the cross reminds us of. That's what our rescuer does. And you know what? We're, we're not Moses in this story. We can think, oh, I'm Moses. No, no, no. Moses is pointing to Jesus so often through Exodus. This is an example of Jesus. You know what we are? We are, we are the Israelites. And where are the Israelites in this story? The Israelites, they're back in Egypt. They're back under their oppressive slave master. Verse, but then we see what God does. God goes to rescue them. Verse 7 to 8, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. That's what God does. That's what he does for us through Christ. Yeah, God's name is rescue. He comes to rescue. It's through our rescuer, Jesus, that we realize, oh, that's how the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament join together. That's how the, the God of the Old and New Testament reveals himself now to us. It's through our rescuer, Jesus, that we can bring our, our mouse-like questions of who am I and go, oh, right, no, no, it's all fulfilled in what Jesus has done. It's all sorted because of what Jesus has done. And just like Moses, we can encounter God through Christ, whose name brings us in awe and reverence. We, we're to be in awe and reverence of Jesus, yeah, who, who shows us and encourages us to realize, yeah, we are frail. We are going to fall short. We are not going to hit the standard. But wow, look at what God does. Look what Jesus has done. We can be reassured that in our weakness, he's not going to leave us because he said, I'm leaving my spirit with you to walk with you and to comfort you and to help you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's when we encounter God's name like Moses through the person of Jesus that we see rescue and it brings rest for our souls. That we have got a gruffalo behind us, in front of us, beside us, going with us as we, as we go. When we encounter God's name in the person of Christ, I can come reverently bowing the knee to King Jesus because in him, my reassurance is found in my rescue and in my rescuer. So I think our, our response this morning is, is to not say, who am I? It's to come and give worship to Jesus. So the band, do you want, do you want to come up? The band can come up. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to worship Jesus. I want to I wanna give a space in a bit to be praying for people. Um, so if, if anything... Uh, that I bring up will we'll, we'll just encourage you, just encourage you in that. But let's stand. We're going we're gonna to worship Jesus. Let's come to a place where he gets the praise, he gets the glory, he gets the honor. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that this, this Moses encounter is, is also our encounter. Yeah, that we can come. Lord, we want to start by coming in a place of reverence, and awe. We want to worship you, Jesus. Will you 
Help us to remain reverent. Will you help us to remember who you are? That you are not just an old God who's irrelevant. No, no, no. You are active and living and you are with us because of who you are and what you are like. I pray, God, that we remember to enjoy being a mouse. Will we enjoy knowing that we are, we, we are the mouse? But man, we've got, we've got you behind us. We've got you walking with us. I just thank you, God, for the reassurance that, that your rescue is complete because of what Christ has done. We just want to come in awe of you, King Jesus. We worship you. Will you be adored, I pray. Amen.